Welcome to Junkyard Theory, guys. This is episode number 19, and today we have the God of War himself in the house. He's somebody who's uh, been working in stunts since 96. I thought it was like the early 2000s, but he told me it was like way back since, so 96. Around 25 years, he's worked on some of the biggest movies on the planet, and uh, he's here to talk, talk to us about filmmaking and stunts because he is also a filmmaker in his own right. Nick McKinless, welcome, sir. Thanks, Akish. Thanks for having me. I think we got the technical so, problem sorted. Hopefully, yes. <laughs> Nick, uh, tell me a little bit about like how did you, you know, get into the industry as a, as a stuntman? Like, how did you, how did it all start twenty five years back, or maybe even further? Yeah, even further. Um, so in England in the eighties, which is when I kind of um, decided that I wanted to get into films at some point. Um, there was no um, training courses. There was no, obviously, there was no YouTube. There was no other way to learn. And <clears throat> back then, you had to become uh, a member of um, sort of the, na the National Association in England. And um, there was a training, um, I would say, guidelines. So you had to have uh, different disciplines. Uh, you probably heard this before. So you had to have uh, something in fighting, something in driving or riding, um, heights, swimming or, or water. Uh, there was a miscellaneous category, and I think there was a strength and agility category as well. So, um, and they had specific awards that they wanted you to do before they would accept you into this association and. Uh, not knowing anyone in the industry, I did it um, the slow, old-fashioned way and took my time and got all of those skills over a period of about uh, four years. Uh, once I knuckled down after uh, after I had my terrible teens, um, I uh, trained pretty hard and um, eventually got, um, got into the association. And then it's just a matter of building uh, a reputation which um, I kind of had to do twice because as soon as I was qualified here, I moved to Australia and um, I kind of had to go through their procedures to become become a stuntman. But also I'd already done what was considered the um, kind of the gold standard, I guess, at the time in the UK. Um, and so uh, it was it was fairly easy to, to get back, get on in Australia and then just slowly build a reputation from there. So I think it's something I always wanted to do. Um, I was a physical kid. I wanted to be in movies. Um, I wanted to go to art school originally, but for various reasons that didn't pan out. So I thought, well, I'm a pretty, pretty decent athlete. Maybe I can be a stuntman. And, and that's kind of what I ended up doing. And who or, you know, who or what movies are kind of inspired you to get in and break into the stunt industry? Because it's not every day that you, you know, see people going like, okay, I want to become a stuntman or a stunt woman. Because, uh, you know, like the risks involved as well. Like we've heard all, you know, we've heard the stories that people uh, sometimes end up losing limbs, breaking up, you know, like all the bones in their body, like Jackie Chan. But, you know, uh, what what appealed the most to you, I guess? Um, well, I think like everyone, uh, it's obviously it starts with 
um, what you watch on TV, which was the Fall Guy, um, obviously the A-Team, and all, all of those amazing 80s shows, Jigs of Hazard, uh, all of those were a big influence. Um, and then uh, I would say I got into Jackie Chan around uh, 1979 or 1980. Um, it kind of, um, it, I mean, it was a glorious time. There, there was, um, you know, videos were now a thing. Um, and at that point, it was both Betamax and VHS. And you would go into a video store and there was all the VHS on one side and all the Betamax on the other. But um, every week there would be Jackie Chan movies in the, it was actually in the foreign section. Um, they weren't in the action section back then. So they're in foreign language. And um, so you would go down there and you'd watch Wheels on Meals or you'd watch Drunken Master or whatever it was. And uh, I knew that I couldn't move like Jackie. I was, you know, I was a good athlete, but I'm not a, a flip monster. And, uh, uh, but I knew I could be as tough as that. So, you know, that was a huge early influence. Obviously there's the classic movies like Hooper as well. Um, and, and in general, the eighties was just a, a gold mine of action. Um, it's, it's definitely the glory days as far as I can see. So um, that combined with the fact that I was um, an okay athlete. I was pretty good at track and field and um, went up to sort of like national level in some of those disciplines. Um, and I'd begun rock climbing at an early age, sort of like 13 or 14. Um, and I was always very much conscious of training just as and it wasn't just a discipline obviously discipline is the most important thing about training but it was the fact that i knew it would lead me somewhere else um which was into stunts eventually so was it was it like you know uh the, like you were training every single day uh basically maintaining your physicality uh reflexes all, all of that in order to you know uh, just be able to go out there on set and do whatever the stunt coordinator wanted you to do or would you like you know before shoot would you like prepare in in advance like months in advance for uh something like uh, i don't necessarily know you know maybe learning some sort of a new discipline or something like that so so before i was qualified as a stuntman i would be training two or three times a day and working mm -hmm. two jobs and so, um, and back, back in the late, well, actually in the sort of mid nineties, which is when I first sort of applied, um, uh, you had to become a member of equity in the UK and that meant you had to go out and do, uh, live shows, um, or oh. you had to become an actor of some court, some sort, or you had to have, basically you had to have 36 contracts and you couldn't get the contracts unless you. So you couldn't get an equity card unless you had the contracts, but you couldn't really get the contracts unless you had an equity card. And it, this was always the issue. So um, I, I found a live entertainer uh, through some friends who helped me put a show together. I'd never performed in my life. Uh, and I did a show for about two years uh, to get my equity card. Um, you don't need to do that anymore. You just pay your money and you get an equity card. It's much easier these days. But um, so I spent two years performing uh, at county shows and um, I probably did a few birthdays as well <laughs> um, 
but it was it was it was good because I was doing fire eating and I was combining some of my feats of strength. I was doing better nails and um, uh, levering a, a levering a, a pickaxe to my eye with a, you know all that kind of stuff that that it was good for a crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, so at that point, I was definitely training two or three times a week, two or three times a day. Um, you know. Um, but specifically towards movies, um, it all depends. Um, sometimes you're very, these days it's, you're more likely to get the opportunity to spend some time training for a particular role. Um, back then you just had to do it on your own in your own time. Um, if you were, if it was a very difficult stunt, then you would obviously get massive rehearsal time, but, I'm, it's doubtful that you would be allowed to train the way the guys train today on set. And I mean, various stunts require, you know, like obviously like multiple takes because of the the coverage that you had to capture from like multiple angles. Uh, you know, what 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 do you think has been like the most dangerous stunt you performed in your career? Um. I mean, from the look of it, I would say car stuff is always looks looks pretty dangerous. Horse mm-hmm. uh, horses are always dangerous, but the ones that I've gotten hurt on are, are the ones that you just don't expect. Um, so, um, you know, even a simple wire gag or a simple uh, stair fall or a car knockdown, um, those things will always get you. Um, it doesn't matter really here. It's very rare that you'll do a car knockdown and not get bumps and bruises and um, at the very the very minimum. So uh, um, I would say me personally, I mean, I've been hospitalized a few times um, from burns. Uh, I've been burned um, a couple of times quite badly. I was hospitalized on Troy uh, when we did that movie, Brad Pitt, back in... 2003 now and 2003 yeah um yeah and i uh it was just a freak end of the end of end of, end of the day um in fact it was the end of the night and um uh i won't go into too much detail but we we came on set and there was an explosion going to happen about 30 feet from us um it's going to hit the Big fireball. You remember the sequence where the big fireballs are rolling down yeah. the sand dunes. This this fireball hits, uh, and these fireballs were huge, by the way. They're like a, as big as a room, you know. And um, this fireball would hit hit the hut, explode, and then we would run past, and obviously the explosion would be behind us. Um, and there was a safety guy about another fifteen feet to our left in a full fire gear, and. Um, uh, a friend of mine, Guy List, was um, the first guy to run, and then I was going to run ha- after him. And we, at the last minute, we managed to find some fire gel and just put a little bit on us because we just thought, just in case it gets a bit close to us. And they called action, and Guy ran. The explosion went off, and it completely engulfed us. And um, oh. it engulfed, not only did it engulf us, it engulfed the safety guy that was... 15 feet away from us as well. So they said it was going to be 15 feet away from us. It ended up being completely over us. So I come running out of the fire 
and I look at Guy who's running and he's smoking and I'm I shout at him, Guy, you're on fire. And he turns around, falls over, looking at me and he then says, You really are on fire. And I was completely up in flames on this side. Um, so I dived into the sand, put myself out, and at that point my skin was kind of melting off me and the pain and the shock was turning to um yeah, it wasn't it wasn't very nice. Uh, and then there's a whole other story after that, which we won't go into because it, it got a bit hectic with the with the locals. Um, but yeah, I spent I think I spent I think I spent about five or six days in hospital on morphine. Um, another guy got burned as well the same night. Another guy got burned, but it was kind of his own fault. Um, and I think I was in hospital when. <laughs> And, I, and I'm going to say, wait, so Wade Eastwood was the, the assistant stunt coordinator on that movie and Simon Crane was the second unit director and stunt coordinator. And I got a phone call from Wade while I'm in hospital and I'm still on morphine saying, can you come in tomorrow and do that horse fall that we rehearsed about <laughs> two months ago? So I literally got patched up in the morning and went to set and did the horse fall. So. Well. Wow. <laughs> That that probably doesn't happen that much anymore. I don't think they would pull anyone out of hospital to, to come and do a stunt these days. Yeah, I mean, uh, do you guys like get get insured or something like that before you could go on uh, set, or like does it happen project to project, or that's like if it does at all? Insurance? Did you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone now has to have. Um, certainly in the UK, they have to have, and I think in Australia too, Not, I don't know if, if it's the same in America, I'm pretty sure mm -hmm. it's not, but you have to have personal accident uh, insurance. Um, but for an injury like that, I, uh, you know, obviously production paid for all the hospital bills uh, at that point in time, but I didn't take it any further because it was a, was a freak accident. Um, but sure. um, people have taken much, much less uh, than that to lawyers and gotten an awful lot of money. Uh, and I, I know someone who was burnt similarly, uh, maybe not as bad actually, and um, they got a six figure payout. So. Wow. Yeah. Oh. Oh, but I, I always crazy. looked at it like this. I always thought to myself, well, that's my job. My job is to, you know, I get paid to take the risks. So mm -hmm. if I get bitten a couple of times, then it is what it is, you know, um, it, it, it's, it's, it should it's be part of the that, job, right? It is part of the job and, um, it, it should be part of the job, but I think in today's society, it's, <laughs> it's more difficult to be for one of a better phrase, a, a tough guy or a tough girl about something like this because people are so scared of people getting hurt and having to pay out lots of money for them. You know? Yeah, makes sense. And uh, Nick, like, walk me through like the you know the process of pulling off a stunt that is not only you know impressive uh, aesthetically but also kind of you know serves the story purpose. 
how how do you go about doing that? Because I know you worked as a stunt coordinator in addition to being you know being a stunt performer. So how do you kind of you know uh, work that out? Um, it depends on the show. Um, if but where do you where do you start? With... Yeah, so you start from the script. So you take the script, you do a breakdown of the script, and you pull out all the action sequences. Um, then you break down each action sequence into personnel, equipment, uh, technical requirements, rehearsal time, and, and then you plug that into a schedule. That schedule then goes back to production. They plug it into their schedule. They tell you how many weeks you can have. Um, and then you, you make your own schedule based on each specific sequence. Mm -hmm. um, now, I'm, I would prefer less I don't like so so for example um i think the kingsman 2 which i i did the reshoots for as a stunt coordinator but um um brad allen was second unit director for those those movies and they had something like six or eight months prep time mm -hmm. um which is which is a long long time i would prefer half that time knowing that every day is filled up um, I think with long prep periods that you, you often have weeks on end of just practicing a simple gag because you kind of got lots of time to do it. Um, so anyway, going back to what you asked. So once you have, um, once you have your schedule and you have, so let's say the sequence involves um, a big explosion. Let's say it's just a big explosion. Um, you're going to use wires almost certainly um so you just uh, have your stunt riggers come in and we set specific gags for each person so someone will be on a wire and they'll be going just straight back another person will be going up in the air and then we'll be dropping them we we'll decelerate into the ground and and you, so we rehearse each gag separately and then slowly but surely you add another add a person so you'll do two together then you'll do three together and then you'll do four together um so when we did um Transformers, for example, the last night, it's the, can you hear me? I think my, I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, so when we did Transformers, we actually did a, a stunt where we had, um, I think we had 14 guys in the air at the same time. Um, it's the time bubble sequence. I don't know if you, I, I don't know if you've seen that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Movie. I remember the one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was a yeah. ton of fun to work on. Um, and uh, I love working with Michael Bay. He's just, he's just a, a, a tornado of energy. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's quite something to work with him. Um, so um, for that sequence, yeah, we, we, we had a big truss system. We had a, a giant crane uh, and we had everyone set in their positions. Everyone knew their specific um, goals. And I think we got that in three takes. Um, but there was a lot of people, a lot of working parts. Um, and there was a lot of things that went wrong before that, that is a miracle that stunt even, even came off. So, yeah. It's always lovely seeing the, you know, the behind the scenes, like how certain stunts are pulled off. And anytime you see something from a Michael Bay movie, you know that, all right, there's going to be an explosion. There's going to be people flying through the air and like, the ending results gonna be dynamic as hell. So it's you know it's no wonder that 
so many people work on achieving uh, these specific segments or sequences and you know but that that like there's quite a lot of budget that goes into stuff like that studio movies like the transformers series but on smaller productions like you know more more independent productions uh you, you don't necessarily have the same budget all the time so how do you manage to pull something impressive off with the limitations that you have well so for example my short film i in that movie i had a big wire gag and i had a big cast i had a um, pipe ramp turnover um and we only had four days and i had one chance at the pipe ramp and we had multiple chances at the at the, the wire gag but um and we'd rehearsed that the week before so it was it was kind of the same process but sometimes you just have to rely so this is where experienced and solid you know stunt performers come in very very handy um, and it's why certain people get used more than others sometimes it's not the best guys it's just the guys that can pull the gag off under pressure and usually you're under a, a bit more pressure when you have less rehearsal time um, so what what you will do is you will bring someone in that has done that particular stunt many times before knowing mm -hmm. that okay we don't have a lot of time let's say we have let's say we're um doing something big the next day and we've only got this afternoon to uh, rehearse it I, I would bring someone who's done that stunt a bunch of times tell them this is the scenario okay it's a different location different car whatever it is or different wire gag but we'll know that they can do it and, and that's how you can save a lot of time is with the right people you, the difficult thing is a lot of those guys and girls are busy so you have to take risks on newer performers or performers that you don't know so well um but i don't mind doing that as well i don't mind you know for example when we did do transformers we didn't have any the, the stunt performers i wanted all the all the um you know superstars that 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 i knew that were friends of mine they weren't available either either working on their own shows or they were stunt doubling people or whatever. So I, I kind of had to train a new crew, um, but we had time to do it. Um, not a lot of time, only had six weeks, but we had time. And um, all those guys now, which is, it's, it's great for me to see all those guys, which is five years later, now they are the top guys. So it's nice that I had a little, a little input into their careers back then. That's brilliant. Talk to me a little bit about your movie, Faith. So you've been working as a stunt performer, stunt coordinator, and then you took over, uh, you know, the, the reins of a filmmaker, basically, you know, being in charge of an entire project. How did that transition happen? And uh, yeah, I want to know a little bit more about Faith. Um, so I first of all tried to make a movie back in about 2004. Um, I uh, wrote a script with someone and uh, cut a long story short, basically that person uh, didn't come through on the deal correctly, so it all fell apart. And it left a bit of, bit of a bad taste in my mouth because I put a, you know, a, lot, a lot of effort, a lot yeah. of time and effort into it. And we, we shot a, a trailer for that as well. Uh, it was a horror movie, but anyway, it didn't go anywhere. Uh, and so I just concentrated on my, on my career for the next sort of seven or eight years. And then I, but I always had this itch 
to to make movies or make my own things. And I'd been writing scripts for um, mainly just shorts or short stories for um, probably a good ten years at that point. Um, so I had a lot of a lot of material. Um, and then I just came up with this very simple idea that I wanted to. Really, it came about from. You can kind of thank Casino Royale. So the opening sequence of Casino Royale with the jumps off the crane, which two of my friends watched and three of my friends did. Um, I always wanted to replicate that because being a big guy, you don't you don't get to do a lot of wire gags and a lot of wire stunts because they always think the big guy can't move as well. So I kind of <laughs> wanted to prove that wrong. And um, so it, it, it started with doing, I want to do a big jump out of a window and make it, make it look real. And I want to, I want to be on, on me the whole time, all the way down. So there's no cuts. Um, so that's what it started. And then that turned into um, the short story, which is, which is faith. So um, I, I had a, a little bit of money at the time. And everyone was telling me just go and buy a new car, and I said no, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a movie. And, uh, they, they they all thought I was crazy, and um, so yeah, I think it was uh, around August 2012. Uh, I, w I went down to Australia. Um, the reason I went to Australia is because I had more contacts there at the time, uh, and I would go back to Australia every year anyway because I, I just loved australia so um i used all my contacts had all, uh, good friends um and also obviously steve's in the movie he's a good friend of mine steve morris um phil partridge was the stunt coordinator who's now a, a well-known stunt coordinator in australia um and um yeah i just put put the movie together we i think we i think i basically did uh, a week's prep and then we shot for four days. Um, and it, it really wasn't meant to be anything other than a learning experience for me. Um, but the crew had a great time. We all had a great time. We pulled off what I think, are, you know, for me personally, two of my best stunts. Um, so I'm pleased that um, I was able to do, you know, a couple of stunts that I've always wanted to do uh, on film but on my film. So, uh, and, and again, they were both under pressure. The, the, the day we shot the, um, the car turnover, um, I was directing one end of the street while I had guys locking off the other end of the street, ready to, um, ready to turn the car over. And they were also setting up the pipe ramp for me, putting the four, um, five point harness in the car. Um, and I literally, it, it was one of those kind of rock star moments where you, you don't get very often these days, where I literally walked from where the camera was. Um, I think I put, I don't think I put anything on. I, don't, I think I put a crash helmet on and that was it. Uh, got in the car and we had a, a very, our lock off was failing badly. Cars were going past us all the time. Eventually we got a gap uh, and I said, let's roll and we do it and uh, hit the ramp and it, and it worked perfect first time and, and the good thing about it which it these days um uh drones are everywhere but we actually mm -hmm. had drones on that which is a decade ago and drones weren't popular back then um so 
that's why we've got that top shot in there. That's why we've got the wide of me jumping out of the window, which you'd have had to have a crane for. But I had a friend, Leo Bond, who um, brought his huge drone over from England. And um, we were able to put, at the time, we were putting red cameras on it, you know, which was, yeah. which was pretty risky at the time. Um, but uh, it, it paid off really well. Plus, you were ahead of the curve because people weren't really using drones for, uh, you know, many stunts back then. No, not, and not only that, you don't really see car stunts in short films either. Still, to exactly. This day. Yeah, you see a lot of fights, and obviously, we had a fight. We had a couple of fights in Faith, and um, but you don't see wire gags, not not of that size, and you don't see car gags of that size in short films. And I still think to this day, I don't know, I've seen a a short film with what I would consider, you know, Hollywood standard stunts in, in a short movie. You know, I've seen Hollywood standard fights, the, the the dime a dozen, but to actually put proper action in In a short film, I don't think I've seen it to this day. Oh, I lost you there for a bit. Same, but you're back. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and for you know those of uh, for everyone who's tuning in, uh, where can we watch? You know, where can they watch uh, your short movie? Where can they find it? It's on Vimeo. Uh, it's on my Vimeo page, which I guess we can send a link or put a link out for, but it's also, if you go to uh, nickmckinless.com, um, a lot of my content is on there as well. So you can see it through my website. Awesome. And would you ever, you know, consider uh, directing a feature someday? We are, I would say I'm three to four months away from directing my first feature. Nice. Um, so we've been um, we've been developing a bunch of projects. I mean, I've been developing a bunch of projects for five years with various different producers. And then around this time last year, um, I met a new producer who has pushed along um, this movie faster than anyone else. Um, can you still hear me? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, so um, there's a so bit yeah, of a lag, but I think we should be good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so I'm. I would say we are. Uh, we're weeks away from going out to cast. Put it that way. So we're very close. Okay. The movie will. The movie's going to be called Tribal. Um, it's a thriller. Um, it's not action heavy, um, but there is. Um, there is some really good action sequences towards the end of the movie, um, but it's not action heavy. I wanted to do something that was uh, a little bit outside of my lane, um, that was more of a narrative piece. Um, and this is a this is a, a fun movie. It's um, it's a, a bunch of uh, teenagers that go to a festival. Um, 
to the Burning Man Festival in the States. Um, okay. And they break down. They break down on the way, uh, and they end up in this um, kind of redneck reservation town, and they meet a local called Tommy. And Tommy takes them back to his uncle's house to fix the vehicle. And let's just say all hell breaks loose from there. <laughs> Cannot wait to uh, hopefully see the project in a year or two's time. And yeah, I, all I hope that, that. We'll, we'll be going out. Yeah, I hope we'll be going out uh, probably a year from now. I, I've got to turn around town for my final cut. So yeah, nice. I would think a year from now. That's brilliant. And coming back to stunts, so uh, you know, doubling another actor, uh, it comes with its own demands, right? Like if, like, let's say uh, you have somebody like Brad Pitt, his stuntman would, you know, obviously have to uh, sometimes if he's, let's, uh, you know, heavier than Brad Pitt or like wider, he would kind of have to, uh, I guess, transform his body to kind of fit the person they're doubling. So uh, how has that, you know? How has that? How have you managed to, uh, I guess, work around that process in your career? It it's been different for me. Being being bigger, I mean, I'm not huge, but um, you know, I'm I'm six foot and about two hundred thirty pounds, two hundred twenty pounds, depending on what I've eaten. And <laughs> um, uh, there was limited amount of people for me to stunt double when I first started. Um, I was always playing heavies and thugs and monsters and yeah. um, that kind of thing. Um, obviously, I doubled Mad Eye Moody, Brendan Gleeson on um, Harry Potter. I also doubled Brendan on Troy as well. Um, I would say, and I doubled Brendan on other shows as well, but um, they usually had to pad me out. Brendan's a bit bigger than me even, so mm -hmm. he's he's like six six two and probably close to 300 pounds so, yeah but um it depends on the role i mean um so for justice league that was a that was a that was playing a character um rather than doubling anyone but it mm. was very specific it was a very specific um uh look that i was given to achieve by the director yeah so talk to me a bit about uh, you know working on Justice League. Obviously, people got to see more of Ares in you know Zach the the the, the director's cut. I mean the Snyder cut pretty much. And uh, I mean you worked for I guess I don't know uh, several months trying to achieve that physique. And I came across this term or uh, this statement somewhere. Uh, Zach wanted you to sport veins like worms. So. <laughs> Well, what was that like? Yeah, so um, let me back up a bit because so yeah. I was in I was in Australia in January, and um, I just had foot surgery. I just had my uh, my right toe fused. Uh, I'd had problems with that foot for a while, and it was just so it just been fused, and I was told. Um, I'm probably not going to run and jump on that foot anymore. Obviously, that's that that didn't happen. But um, the surgeons, when they fuse your toe, when they fuse the big toe, they don't expect anyone to be able to go back to do what they normally did. So I was literally days out of surgery, and the stunt coordinator Eunice Hutt called me 
and said, Nick, I've got a job that I think only you can do, um, which appealed to my ego straight away, obviously, um, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and she said, I need you to get incredibly lean in the best shape of your life. And you've got about two and a half months to do it. And it's for Justice League, you're going to play Aries. So I didn't tell her that I'd just come out of surgery. I just said, yep, yeah, that's fine. I can do that. <laughs> um, and I flew home. And I think a week later, I was in Zach's office with Eunice. Um, I was, uh, I just told them I, I, I twisted my ankle, I think, because I was still hobbling a little bit. Um, and um, yeah, I was sat, I was sat with Zach and, and his words were like, um, I need um, paper thin skin and veins like worms. And uh, he showed me the reference photo and I said, okay, uh, give me a couple of months and they gave me time to train i had to go in every now and again for fittings um camera tests uh, uh massive amounts of, of makeup changes um i think we went through probably 20 different iterations of that character wow. um and um and then i got so by the time we did the camera test i was already in shape um i was probably around six or 7% body fat was pretty low. And then they had to push the shoot as they do. So I had to maintain that for another month almost. Um, That's not easy. But I think that, no, it wasn't easy. And, um, yeah. but you know, it, it was part of the job and I was being paid to do it. So, and, and they, they were allowing me to do my own training. So although there was trainers on set, there was, um, everyone had their own personal coaches. Um, I wanted to train myself and I didn't have any of their dietitians or anything like that. So I just basically, I coached myself to that level, which, um, which taught me a lot. I come from a strength background. So I come from yeah. strength sports, like, uh, weightlifting, strongman, um, Highland games, that kind of thing. And, um, so it was good for me to learn about how to change body composition in a short period of time, um, just from a coaching perspective. Um, so, um, and, and, I, and I think I, I think we achieved a look. I think when when I arrived and Sergi Sergi Constance was there, who's who, uh, who played um, Zeus. Remind me, Zeus. That's right. From Zeus. Played yeah. Zeus. Well, Sergi's his Sergi's like in his twenties and um in phenomenal shape all the time um so i was pleased to be able to actually stand next to this guy who's you know one of the top physique models in the world and actually not look out of place so i think i achieved my goal i think you did more than that because i've, I've been seeing uh comments on online as well people saying all right uh we didn't know aries was that bad and they were saying you know that's the areas who should have been in Wonder Woman, and some people are even asking for maybe like a flashback sequence of Ares uh, in the third Wonder Woman movie. So I think you did more than you know. Uh, that's uh, it's kind of like you know establishing the badassery of a character through your physique and the, the performance that you did. So yeah, I, uh, I think um, I think it's unfortunate the way it's kind of turned out. But also, I'm pleased with the work I did on it, and uh, uh, I'm I'm not sort of uh, you know you know everyone knows who 
who Aerie yeah. really is, I guess. I mean, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to get into it too much. Like, it's not an ego thing. It's definitely not. But I know that I trained for, you know, the best part of three months. And I was the one on set. I did the fight sequences. Um, you know, I was the one interaction act, interacting with, um, you know, the other characters and the goddesses and, um, you know, being directed by Zach. So I, I, I think that people know who actually did most of the work until they plonk some other guy's he head on me. <laughs> that that was a, a little bit hilarious to see uh, David's head on your body, but <laughs> it is what it is, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't you couldn't get to it's polar opposites. I mean, um, yeah. I think well I think what they could have done easily is if they wanted to they could have had me even do all of the lines and then they could have just dubbed my voice if they if, sure. if they'd have gone down that route I think that they would have had less of an issue with the you know with the whole thing really um, but I'm guessing that um, his agents and managers or, already had a deal in place so Probably. it must have been something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this is, you know, a topic that has been floating around for quite a while. The recognition or lack thereof for stunts in you know, the mainstream award ceremonies, specifically uh, the Academy Awards. What do you, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on that? I'm probably in the minority as far as stunt performers are concerned. I don't think that we need any more awards. I don't think mm -hmm. that um, when I got into the business and I, I always felt that we should be seen and not heard, we, we were supposed to be, I, I don't mind the fact that people, you know, actors wanted to say, you know, I did that stunt. It's, it's okay because that's part of the illusion. I know that's been, that bubble has been burst now. And obviously, because of social media, uh, people can post up about their rehearsals and their skills and, you know, clips from movies and, you know, yeah. really show off. I mean, that's what social media is for. It's really, it's a, it's, it should be just called showing off. Um, and, and that's fine. And I have no issue with that. But for me, um, I, would, I like to just turn up on set quietly, get called, called on to do my work wait for action, make a big noise, do my gag, hopefully pull it off first time, and then go home and get paid. I was happy with that. I don't really feel that we need the awards. I understand that recognition is important, but we have Taurus, you know, which is which is kind of the, all we need. We have our own awards. They, they used to be amazing, obviously, when they were um, televised. Um, I hope that will come back after we've gone through all the crap over the last year. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 of I'm probably old school in that I don't think we need any more awards. I don't think we need any more anyone else to be. And also, how do you give that out? You know, it, is it going to be the best second unit director, the best stunt coordinator, the best stunt man, best stunt mm. woman? Then we're into categories that are already in the Taurus. So if you just have, you know, um, so what would it be? Um, visual effects, they have the best visual effects. So I suppose it would just be best stunts. 
or best action. But quite often, the second unit director who's getting the accolade for that sequence, probably it was the stunt coordinator and the stunt guys that put that sequence together and second unit director came in and put a camera in front of it and shot it. It wasn't, so, so do you give it to the stunt coordinator then? There's, the, there's a lot, the there's a lot more questions. Second, yeah, and then the second unit director's yeah. like, well, I shot it, you know, I, I made it look pretty, you know? Yeah. So I think if you could answer that question, if you could say it's a group, that's great. But that even that, that even happens with Taurus. I mean, I've been nominated for Tauruses, um, and I was in the sequence. You can see me in the sequence. I'm getting, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm doing some action in the sequence. But because they would only allow, I think it was five or six people to be given awards, I didn't get picked to, to win that award, and they actually did win. And then one of the guys that actually won that award and actually picked up the big trophy, which I... They are nice trophies. Um, he's not in that sequence. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> he was on the stairs outside. Sure, he was in it, but he wasn't actually on camera. On camera. So, so a lot you know, I, you know, I, I'm uh, I'm skeptical of awards because of the politics involved. That's that's a unique. Uh, well, that's a different perspective, and yeah, surely, I mean. There's a lot of humility that goes into what you just said as well. And yeah, man. But I, I always good. I always felt like this and I mean I'm again I'm probably a a rare example, but I I never needed a stunt coordinator or any of my friends to say like that was an amazing gag or you did a great stunt there or whatever or you know, the high five bullshit and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I was I knew if I knew straight away if I'd done a good stunt. And nine times out of ten, I would do it right. And you know, it, it's a strange thing. You can you can be really good at your job, and you can do it right first time, and so you get paid once. If you if you come in, you could be another performer, and you're maybe not as good. So it takes you three or four or five attempts. So then you're getting paid three or four or five times for that stunt because you get paid that time every time you do it. Okay. It doesn't seem to add up to me. It should, it, surely it's the guy that does it in one that should get paid for. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, logic does not work in certain places. Not in the film business, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, where do you see the, 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 the stunts kind of thing, the stunt industry kind of like heading down? Now that visual effects are coming in, and you know, some, some certain stunts are being replaced with visual effects, but you know, they don't necessarily have the same uh, how do you call it the same authenticity. But it's you know it's a mix, I guess. People are still uh, people who are old school. They still try to maintain uh, real authentic stunts, and some of them try to do like an amalgamation of the two. Where do you think this is heading in the future? Um, I, I, I gotta be honest, it, I, I knew it was probably heading into visual effects and wires, um, a long time ago, probably before most people in the industry, because I worked on the matrix movies and mm. once, once I'd seen what was capable of with wires, remove, obviously removal of wires, um, 
and obviously the visual effects techniques to mold the reality um, with the, I guess you call it super real, of super real elements of something like a matrix. It was obviously, there was no, there was no turning back for, for, um, for action particularly. However, I think a movie like, and I'm going to come back to it, and I, I didn't work on it, but um, Casino Royale is, is a kind of a groundbreaking film because it, it went back to that old style of, old style of um, in-camera stunts. Everything was in-camera, yeah. you know, and I think that grounding in reality is where we're going to be heading in, in the future because <clears throat> I'm, I'm not a huge fan of hero mo superhero movies. Um, I understand why they are popular um, and I, they, they appeal to such a huge wide audience from very young to very old. Um, but I think we're going to head back to, especially as, as the stunt performers these days, although they lack certain things, they're way better than we were. I mean, um, I follow some parkour guys and I used to struggle to say the word parkour because it used to get on my nerves. So, uh, <laughs> I would almost stutter as a parkour, you know. Um, but the stuff that they're doing now, it's it's as good as what we were doing on wires ten years ago, and they're doing it without wires. So I think it will come back to. I hope it will come back to a lot more in-camera work, mm -hmm. and just using CG to enhance the action rather than CG is the first thought. It's like, okay, let's just build the whole frame in CG and maybe do some motion capture or maybe do some um, some elements, you know, on a mm. green screen. But I don't. The other thing that's definitely going to happen, and I'm this is something I am um, uh, very fond of, and I think it's going to be an amazing technology is virtual production, which is how the Mandalorian was shot. Yeah, um, I think if if by using that technology, um, along with in-camera stunts, in-camera action, even in-camera special effects, I think that mm. is going to be what we're going to be what we're going to be doing. And I think because traveling is becoming harder, less location shoots will happen. Yeah, I want to uh, track back a little bit on what you said. Uh, you know about parkour guys being doing stuff that you guys did back in the day on wires. Do you think it's kind of like an evolution of stunts itself? And if so, can we see, I don't know, more, uh, more complex things being carried out in a more, in an easier fashion down the line? Yes. Um, but so that's, a, that's an interesting question. Um, I think what I'm trying to think, ask is like, uh, are stunt performers pushing, you know, the the boundaries of human capabilities in some ways? I think, I just think that the evolution of humans is that, that we have, we just, our generations get better and better. I think we were better than the, the previous generation of stunt performers. Mm. And I think, you know, the generations after me are better now as well. I, I, I think they maybe lack a little bit of passion for filmmaking and passion for action, but 
doesn't mean to say they're not good at what they do. They just don't. Mm. Uh, I mean, um, I, I, definitely the evolution of stunts is here. I don't know where it's going to go other than what I just said, which is molding, you know, what we can do sure. for real with, with virtual production. I think that's the way to go. And I think the Mandalorian's already doing it. And I think other productions mm -hmm. are going to go that way. You know, a lot of why the Mandalorian looks good is because everything you see in the foreground is real, you know? So when guys are flying, flying over and taking hits and getting hit by, you know, you know, lasers or whatever they're doing, you know, that's all, that's all real. Um, whereas the background with the monsters is all a virtual stage. Yeah. True. I think, and I think it, it's going to, yeah. I think for filmmakers, um, it's, it's an amazing tool. I think it's an incredible tool. I, I can't wait to work on a virtual production set. I would work on it tomorrow. And I know people love going on locations. I do. There's still a bit of a thrill going on, on a location for a shoot. Um, but the, from a, from a filmmaker's point of view, being able to control the light for a whole day or for whole weeks yeah. is huge, you know, so I can, on a virtual production, I can shoot on golden hour as many days in a row as I want. Yeah. It's like filmmakers yeah. of dream. <laughs> it, it totally is. It totally is. That's, that's why, I mean, I mean, I have a few shorts that would be amazing for, for this. And I'm, I'm in a position where I have a very good friend of mine who's just joined a company who does all of these kind of things. So I'm hoping at some point we'll get to collaborate. Um, that's Neil Huxley, who is a, who's a commercial director and he directed the shadow of war. Um, mm -hmm. um, I guess short film really, but it, it's, uh, it's a, it was a, it was a, it was an advertisement commercial for the, the game. Was the game, it? yeah. The cinematic teaser, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. What projects besides uh, the feature that you are going to be directing, like what else is in the pipeline right now? Um, at the moment, I'm, I've been, I, I did some work with some friends on The Witcher. Um, the second season. And the second season, and I'm supposed to go on to do um, another show with those guys. Mm -hmm. um, um, and other than that, I'm just developing my own projects. I'm, I'm producing, um, well, I'm on the board for producing uh, about four other movies. Um, nice. And I think that's the, that's the way I'm going to go is more producing, directing and writing. Um, but it's very difficult to say no to start. I just got a phone call for a music video um, and uh, some nice wire stunts in it. And it's very difficult to say no because it's nice to be creative and it's nice to help someone create their vision. Um, so I think I'll keep keep my hand in for the time being. And also I still love performing. So, um, uh, I don't like wearing costumes or beards or wigs. Uh, people, <laughs> people who, people who know me well in the industry, that's a, an ongoing joke is just put Nick in a beard or put Nick in a wig. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, um, 
yeah, I think uh, I think we're uh, in a good place right now. Gotcha. And uh, I don't know whether, hopefully I'm not stepping over a boundary asking this, but age and stunt performance, like how, you know, inevitably like the human body kind of like wears out and like if you are a stunt person, you sustain more injuries than the, not the average human being. And, and, you know, even for, let's say, even for a martial artist, like with age comes, you know, various different barriers and limitations. So pushing through that, like, what has it taught you? Because you've been doing this for a long time. Well, um, probably up until about 10 years ago, or maybe even, yeah, probably 10 years ago, I just felt like I could still run through walls. Um, I was kind of still pretty fearless. Um, and I had still built up some injuries, um, but, um, it was kind of irrelevant, but uh, I turned 50 last year and I think my days of, um, you don't look 50 of doing, um, well, I think that's my mum's genetics. <laughs> I can thank my mum for that. She's 70. She doesn't 70. Um, but I think, I think you just have to be be honest with yourself about what you can and can't do. I, I know stunt guys that don't want to stunt coordinate and they just want to continue performing and they're all in their fifties and some of them are in their sixties, some of them are in their seventies, you know? Um, you know I, one of my favorite stuntmen in the industry and he doesn't get any recognition, recognition. He must be 70 now is Nick Hobbs and Nick is a, a living legend. And um, I remember when we did Fury, um, the Brad Pitt movie, yeah. uh, The Tank, and uh, we needed a guy to, an old guy, to take a, a bullet hit to the head. And I immediately said, just let, let's get Nick in. And he came on set, and he, he's an old man, you know, he's he's a bit dithery at times. <laughs> Nick <laughs> might be saying that, and he's a good friend. And, uh, and they were like, is Nick going to be okay? Like, is he going to be fine? Uh, and I said, don't you worry, like, you just, just wait. And um, they rolled camera and he did the most amazing headshot and just fell down as if, you know, it, one of those old school Saving Private Ryan, you know, you've been cut and you just flop like a puppet. And he did it, I think he did it three or four times and everyone was like, well, that's a pro. And, and that, that, that to me is more, that's the sign of a pro his age more than someone that can do loads of flips because you can get someone who can get, come in and do flip after flip and, and amazing stunts and whatever but if they can't take direction and they're not going to pull off what is required for the story then they're no good mm -hmm. to me. very true final question for somebody looking to get into your line of work what advice would you give them for stunts yep uh I think you need three things to be a stuntman. You need to have uh, what I call ticker or heart. You need to have or bottle. So you need to you need to know that you're going to commit to a stunt and you're going to go hard and you're going to probably get bumps and bruises and cuts and you may even break a bone now and again or whatever. Just be willing to do that. Don't don't think that 
that doesn't that that sometimes happens every week sometimes it doesn't happen for months and months and months but if you're a full-time stuntman at some point or stunt will you're going to be in a position where someone's going to say i want you to do this and you know it's going to be a little bit gnarly so that's the first yeah. thing is you know have heart have you know passion passion but also you know passion for the job and for the job that you're doing you know the, the stunt that you're doing um another simple thing is just turn up on time and i know that sounds ridiculous but timekeeping especially these days is not something that people seem to think is that important um but i respect anyone who you know if, if i if i'm asking you to come in at 6 30 in the morning be there at 6 20 you know um sure so and these are not probably the answers you're expecting. <laughs> probably, <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> probably expecting, um, oh, you should you should train martial arts and you should train. You know, yeah. All of that, all of that is very relevant, but you should be doing that anyway. You know, you should be doing all of your training should just be something that you do, like brushing your teeth. So True. if you're a if you're a driver, you should be doing some kind of motorsport at the weekends. If you're a bike guy, you should be motocrossing at the weekends. If you're, you know, a parkour guy, you should be jumping off buildings at the weekend, whatever it is, you know? Um, and then, and then the other thing is just to be polite, just to be, just to be a, a nice person on set. Because when we're, when we're, you know, we're talking about location shoots, if we're going on a location for, let's say three months or even three weeks, you want to go with people that you like. So yeah. quite often I've picked guys that are not the most talented and that's no detriment to them. But, you know, you could have got, you know, the number one guy, let's say for whatever it is, but I would go with other guys because I know I'm going to get on with them. I know they're going to turn up on time. I know they're going to commit to the stunt. I know they're not going to, you know, they're all going to get on with the crew. Whereas maybe the guy that's a bit of a, you know, a rock star doesn't turn up on time. He kind of doesn't really want to get on with the crew because he thinks he's better mm. than everyone else or she thinks he's better than everyone else. Or, you know, they're maybe, you know, not rude, but they're, you know, they're about Happy themselves years. rather than the team, <laughs> you know. So I think those things are way more important than skills because skills you should have, you know, um, and there's no excuse these days, you know, there's, there's tutorials, there's YouTube videos galore. You can, you know, I used to, I can remember going back to those um, video days. I would, I can remember, it must've been, it might've been Armor of God, Jackie Chan movie. And I remember yeah. slowing it down, rewinding it and then watching it again and rewinding it and watching it again, just to figure out how he was doing this particular move. Well, now you can just do that on YouTube, you know, and you can make it a quarter speed or half speed or whatever. So there's no excuse for not having the skills, but I think those more, um, and, and I guess all of those things you could put into life as well, really, you know, you should have passion for life. You should, sure. you should if you're going to meet someone, turn up on time, you know, and be, polite, <laughs> and be kind, you know, so. I think the human factor is uh, definitely something that, you know, not just a stunt person, but filmmakers in general, it's something that's really important you know, for their careers. So it's really brilliant that you touched up on that. Yeah, I think so. Um, 
and and as I say, it, it's it, if there's one thing a modern stunt performer is lacking, it it might be that heart. It might be that bottle mm. a little bit because, um, and it's not their fault. It's just the society they've been brought up in is is not <coughs> the society that we grew up in. You know, we grew up in a, a time where, you know, I, I can remember I would come home every day with with bleeding knees and bleeding elbows and you know mom look and they'd be go go away go away well now i think they're just you know okay get the cotton ball out you know (laughs) (laughs) that's very true i know i said that was the final question but uh we have a question from the audience so this is pretty good to ignore (laughs) how do you get the best out of someone who is not trained in stunts uh, you need a lot of rehearsal time. When we, when we, um, so when I did Edge of Tomorrow, the Tom Cruise movie, um, again with Wade Eastwood and Simon Crane, um, they, um, I was kind of given Emily Blunt to look after and train. And Emily's lovely, lovely lady, but um, physicality wasn't her thing at that time. She's great now, um, mm. but it was all new to her. I think her uh, her fight experience at that point was probably very minimal, um, but it was just time. We had a great stunt double um, that really looked after her, um, and we just had her time. And she pulled off some pretty nice wire gags on the beach for that particular sequence on her own. Um, I, I know at one stage she. Um, uh, you know, got a few little injuries. She even, she even got a, I think, I think a sword smacked her in the face, or a, a stick, oh. or a weapon of some sort, or a gun, or something. You know, but got back up, went on the wire, and did it again. So, time, and rehearsal time, and and a good stunt double, so that they can visually see what they're trying to achieve. Yeah, sure. Nick, you know, thank you so much. Not everyone, not every, not Sorry, everyone is Tom Cruise, you know. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> That's Thank great. God, right? Use <laughs> <laughs> you guys uh, a career. So, yeah, definitely. Tom, Tom's amazing. Tom's the most intense, incredible guy. He could have been a stuntman for sure. He is a stuntman, really. So I, I have nothing but respect for the guy. True. Yeah. And it's still nice to see him doing it. At, I don't know how old he is, but, yeah, he's still continuing to you know, entertain us with finding a... Yeah. Probably. Yeah. He's inventing ways to, you know, kill himself on camera, but he's failing and entertaining us in the process. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Nick, thank you so much for joining and enlightening us with your knowledge in the stunt industry. It's It was amazing having you, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, Akesh. Uh, hopefully uh, you got something out of it. Hopefully I didn't um, quash anyone's dreams too much. <laughs> Now, I'm, I'm pretty sure if anything, you just invigorated them a little bit more. So, Good. yeah, thank Thanks. you so much for that. Awesome, guys. Till then, this is Junkyard Theory. <laughs>